2: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
3: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions
1: apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you
2: We'll <laughs> be
4: Hi there, and welcome to Happy Beeps. I am your host, Jennifer Landa, and today we're going to a corner in Star Wars history that, you know, many people have forgotten, or maybe it's because they've wanted to forget it even existed. Our journey begins one afternoon in March this year, when I was scrolling through Twitter. Suddenly, a video clip showed up in my feed. There, on a giant crescent moon... Sat Mark Hamill, circa 1980. He was wearing a gold Lomay jumpsuit and speaking in German over the tune of the Star Wars main theme.
1: Hmm.
4: I had so many questions. Does Mark Hamill speak German? Why is he now standing on a snowspeeder flying in space? And who forced our beloved Star Wars hero to wear such a tacky gold jumpsuit with a deep v-neck and bell sleeves? Thankfully, some of my questions were answered, which I'll share later in the show, but it was after watching that video that I realized I love when Star Wars gets weird. I hope you do, too, because today we are going to celebrate the wacky and the waka waka side of Star Wars. (music) On its own, Star Wars is a world of weird. There's odd-looking creatures and characters with names like Elon Bagano and Therm Scissor Punch. What allows us to relate to Star Wars are the stories that are universal, and all the filmmakers from George Lucas to Ryan Johnson approach these stories with the utmost respect and, of course, heart. However, the minute you take away that respectful framework and all the awesome special effects and cool sound effects and you plop the characters in a variety show, for example, you're suddenly left with this.
2: Princess Leia, our goose
1: is cooked, The last we off of the star.
4: That was Donnie and Marie Osmond dressed as Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia in their hour long variety show Donnie and Marie. This particular episode aired on September 23rd, 1977, and the last 11 minutes of the show were dedicated to Star Wars. line if I said I did not bop along to this Riders to the Stars number. I love this song. Why? I don't know. Look, wearing Star Wars costumes while singing a Barry Manilow song is cute and it's kitschy. See, 3 po and R2-D2 make a cameo appearance. Oh, look. (sighs) Oh. Oh, you made it. And then things get strange. Oh, I wish Obi-Wan Okie-Fanoki were here.
1: Yeah, he'd tell us what to do. I'll tell you what to do. Why don't you look over there? It's your chance for escape.
4: Red Fox plays Obi-Wan Kenobi, but they call him Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't know, something weird. And he's superimposed in the sky of the theater. Chris Christopherson is Han Solo, but his laid-back performance makes him reminiscent of the dude in Star Wars.
1: Excuse me, sir.
0: What can I do for you?
4: But that's okay. Donnie and Marie just want his help to get off this star.
1: Show us the way to get out of this world For that's where everything is
4: Hope Every- of oh, Friends. It only gets better.
2: Hear my voice Where you are a car, on a
4: cloud, on a that is a wonderful Come character actor, Paul me. Lind, as Grand Moff Tarkin. His snarkiness, mixed with his anxiousness, makes him fit perfectly with the Empire. Darth Vader also makes an appearance, and I swear he is voiced by Boris Karloff.
2: You, you intergalactic fool,
4: you'll never get them back that way. A... So I couldn't get confirmation of that. And then we are graced with a performance of dancing stormtroopers who sing "Get Ready" by The Temptations.
1: not the that you do. are right,
2: right. the, you
0: right, right. be
4: the singing dude, stormtroopers we then surround Donnie, Marie, and the gang like the Jets circling the sharks in West Side Story. This is the kind of stuff that I relish as a Star Wars fan. Seeing stormtroopers snap their fingers while dancing to a Motown beat is so ridiculous. It's so silly. It's amazing. Get
2: ready, here we go. gotcha.
4: This Donnie Marie episode is obviously a spoof on Star Wars. The jokes are corny, Han Solo has a rocket ship instead of the Millennium Falcon, but it's all in good fun. To put things into context, when this episode of The Donnie and Marie Show aired in 1977, Star Wars was already a cultural phenomenon. It was a hit at the box office and had given birth to legions of fans. But the only place you could experience Star Wars was at the movie theater. So if you were a kid who loved Star Wars, you might have loved this Donnie and Marie episode because, hey, you gotta see 3PO, R2, Chewie, and Darth Vader again. My friend Bonnie Burton once told me that kids in the late 70s were so starved for anything Star Wars that they'd happily watch a ridiculous variety show if it had a Star Wars theme. They weren't picky because they couldn't be. There were only three big television networks at the time ABC, CBS, and NBC. The Donnie and Marie show aired on ABC, which is the same network the Star Wars Holiday Special would later air on in 1978. Star Wars characters were also appearing on another show over on NBC in late 1977. While the squeaky clean duo of Donnie and Marie targeted a more family friendly audience, if you wanted comedy that was edgy and controversial, you were tuning in to The Richard Pryor Show. The hour-long comedy variety show only ran for four episodes before NBC pulled it, but in one of those episodes, Richard Pryor crossed paths with Star Wars. Hey,
1: hey, hey, why don't you watch where you're going? You got your biggest eyes in the place?
4: (laughs) The bit is pretty straightforward. Richard Pryor is a bartender at a Moss Asley Cantina-type bar. The bar patrons are made up of some of the aliens from the cantina in A New Hope. What's particularly weird is that the masks all look the same, but the aliens' costumes look more like something that you, you know, pull together from a thrift store. There's a drunk Bith stumbling around wearing a piece of muslin cloth around his shoulders. Muftak shows up, and he's like a bouncer, but he's wearing suspenders— there's a Deveronian wearing a leather vest while also making out with a Rodian, who might be Greedo. I'm not sure. I highly recommend checking out this sketch on YouTube. It is so freaking funny. The bar patrons do these weird things or just quite frankly look weird. And Richard Pryor acts like how any of us might respond if we saw Snaggletooth doing the shimmy shake.
2: I thought there ain't no dancing in here. Uh-huh.
0: But well, why don't y'all go upstairs and get a room? Mm-hmm. Come on, show them upstairs. That's your turn.
4: You all right? <laughs> None of the aliens speak. They just kind of grunt and gesture, which results in Richard Pryor trying to deduce what the characters want.
1: Yeah, your wife wants you to come home. He said, we do water, water, we do water, we do water, water okay she said water go to water get, it. Water, get it, water get it what i find
4: particularly amazing about this sketch is how well it holds up even today the donnie and marie show feels like a moment frozen in time while richard pryor's comedy is still so fresh and unexpected I think the reason his bit works so well is because it takes the weirdness of Star Wars and puts it into our world. How would we, the audience, react if we were stuck in a bar full of strange aliens? Richard Pryor is speaking for the audience and it works. Donnie and Marie are great musical performers, but by putting themselves in the world of Star Wars, it feels a little cheesy. (laughs)
1: Princess is safe at last. Your work is finished.
3: Yes, I do.
4: After watching both of these TV shows, I wondered what was the rationale behind these Star Wars crossovers? After a little bit of digging, and thanks to Facebook, I discovered the answer. Charles Lippincott was the advertising publicity supervisor on Star Wars in 1977. On Facebook in 2015, he shared his thinking behind these kooky crossover appearances. In September of 1977, Fox released a Making of Star Wars documentary as part of a campaign to revitalize Star Wars at the box office. Quote, This campaign included The Richard Pryor Show, Donnie and Marie Show, and the Star Wars Holiday Special. These films and their selection was not an accident. I made a conscious decision to reach different audiences with these different vehicles, end quote. Donnie Marie reached younger audiences, and as Lippincott put it, quote, The Richard Pryor show is considered to be far more cutting-edge than SNL. We reached the SNL demographics plus the multicultural audiences with Pryor, end quote. And because Pryor was so cutting-edge, no one knew how long the network would keep him on the air. So, according to Lippincott, they knew everyone would be tuning into this show. In November of 1977, there was another TV show that featured Star Wars characters. Although, I am unsure how popular this show was. In fact, I couldn't even find the name of the show, but I do know that a teenage Jodie Foster appeared on this episode. I also know it is a French show And it's one of the weirdest things I have ever seen. And that's saying a lot. Let me set the scene. Mecco's disco Star Wars theme plays while four C-3PO's do a synchronized dance against a galaxy background. I hesitate even calling it a dance. It's more like stretching exercises with some Tai Chi moves kind of thrown in. The dancers are wearing c masks that are, you know, somewhat screen accurate, but their costumes are made of gold spandex, which of course is good for the stretching. This whole sequence goes on for a bit, until four Darth Vader's show up and begin doing ballet plies. It looks like there's about to be a dance-off, which could be very exciting, but unfortunately the droids and the Vader's face each other and simply do an awkward mirror exercise. Finally, the C-3PO's bust out some fancy footwork while the Vader's continue stretching.
0: Uh,
4: stretch. The Ridiculous goes on for a while, but the big finale involves all the droids and the Darths appearing on top of skyscrapers in a city skyline, and then they stretch their arms and turn around a couple times and then float up, up, and away. You have to see it. Look for it on YouTube. Search, what is it? Search Star Wars French disco ballet. This is something that you have to see to get the full experience. But here is what makes this whole sequence so strange. I don't understand the point of it. They use a funky song, but instead of busting out some fun disco moves, all they do is stretch. I don't know maybe, you know, maybe it's supposed to be performance art or interpretive dance. Look, dancing stormtroopers may be silly, but at least when they show up in the Donnie and Marie show, they're using their dance to tell a story. With the dancing French 3 invaders, I have no idea what story they're trying to tell. <laughs> a story of peace? A story... uh... Ugh. Of course. I love how completely odd and random the whole dance sequence is. You know, it's like having, if I was having a fever dream, I imagine it would look like this. 1977 was clearly the year for weird Star Wars spoofs. Obviously, George Lucas and his team wanted to keep the momentum and excitement going for their little space opera. So in January of 1980, the same year The Empire Strikes Back would be released, George and his team whetted America's appetite for Star Wars with a very special crossover.
1: Excuse
2: me, Master Luke, but what is this strange world we've come to? Beats me, 3PO. Seems we've landed on some sort of comedy variety show planet. <laughs> it's The Muppet Show with our very special guest stars, the stars of Star Wars. Yeah!
4: The Muppet Show was a hit variety show in 1980 that featured guest stars like Steve Martin, Wonder Woman's Linda Carter, Elton John, and Gilda Radner. Kermit Flail. Four months before the release of The Empire Strikes Back, Mark Hamill made a guest appearance playing two roles, Luke Skywalker and Mark Hamill. Apparently, he was concerned at the time about being typecast as Luke Skywalker, so the writers wrote a dual storyline, but it actually works pretty well. Luke Skywalker, along with C-3PO and R2-D2, are looking for their pal Chewbacca, who has been kidnapped by a bunch of weird turkeys. To
2: Luke Skywalker, C-3PO and R-2-D-2, help, I am being held prisoner by a bunch of weird turkeys. It does rather sound like your show.
4: <laughs> Fozzie mistakes Luke Skywalker for Mark Hamill. You're,
1: you're Mark Hamill! Hmm? Yes! Uh, huh? No, 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 uh, he's my cousin. That's it. He's my cousin and he's right outside.
2: But, oh, go get him, hurry, hurry, I want to see him! Friend! Oh boy, oh boy!
4: Basically, Luke Skywalker plays the straight man to the Muppets' comedy throughout the episode while Mark Hamill waka-waka's it up. Oh my gosh, he really hams it up. It's pretty awesome. He also shows off some of his voice acting skills um, and also some of his impressions.
2: Oh, wow, I just love impressions. Ah. Oh, I just love doing them. Ah. Terrific.
4: The whole episode is classic Muppet humor until they get to the pigs in space bit. Miss Piggy is dressed up as Princess Leia, complete with a bun hairdo. Oh,
2: it is I, the princess! Oh.
4: Princess?
2: Yes, yes, I have just escaped from an evil fiend who held me prisoner.
1: Oh. <laughs> well, the evil fiend must feed his prisoners well.
3: <laughs> what?
1: Well, uh, what I mean is, it looks like you've put on. Uh... <laughs> uh,
2: look, Skywalker. Go along with this or I'll cut you in half.
4: <laughs> look, it's the princess.
0: <laughs> Doesn't look like a princess to me. Watch it, hardware.
4: Gonzo plays Darth Vader, or as they call him, Darth Nader. <sighs> 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 Who's your tailor? I love that outfit. <laughs> They end up on the surface of a strange planet, and then comes the song and dance.
2: What could possibly get us out of this? What else? A song and dance number!
4: Peter Mayhew, dressed as Chewbacca, begins to do a little side to side step and some turns while R2 kind of whizzes around him. Then Anthony Daniels, SC3PO, busts out a shuffleball change. Wow! and a soft shoe little dance. I mean, honestly, I was impressed. I didn't realize that he had such good dancing moves, especially because he's doing it in this really stiff costume. Hats off to him. Helmets off to him. It's actually quite brilliant because the way C-3PO dances and the fact that he would even know proper dance moves totally fits with the droid's character. You may have seen GIFs, GIFs, whatever. I'm sure you've seen gifs from this part of the show, and I just love the sequence because seeing Star Wars characters sweetly and awkwardly dance just makes me happy. Out of all the Star Wars crossovers, this one makes the most sense. Puppeteer, actor, and director Frank Oz had worked on The Empire Strikes Back as Yoda, but besides that, he was best known for performing Muppet characters like Miss Piggy, Fozzie, and Grover. George Lucas' new Muppets creator, Jim Henson, and George would later executive produce Henson's movie, Labyrinth. It's funny how Disney now owns the Muppets and Star Wars. And in fact, they ended this episode with all of the Muppets, Mark Hamill, Chewie, NR2, and 3PO singing Disney's theme song, When You Wish Upon a Star. out foreshadowing. I mean, you can't write this stuff. And now, for the piece de resistance of this episode, I give you Mark Hamill
1: speaking in German.
4: So why the heck is Mark Hamill dressed in this gold jumpsuit and singing in German? Well, this was a Star Wars spoof that aired on a TV show called Disco in 1980. The program was hosted by German actor, oh, forgive me, Ilja, Ilja Richter, and it was a pop music show, but they didn't really just focus on disco, which is odd because the name was Disco, but I digress. I have seen some rough translations of this song, but I still don't get it. I don't think it's really funny. The basic gist of the song is that Ilja is making fun of Luke Skywalker for having troubles with his daddy Darth Vader. Ilja then taunts Luke for not ending up with the princess, so he offers him a happy ending with Miss Berlin, (laughs) double entendre. Darth Vader plays the wedding march, and then they wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Yeah, I don't get it either. I was happy to know that Mark Hamill at least got paid for this odd sketch. When he shared the video on Twitter this March, he tweeted, quote, I remember not wanting to wear a gold jumpsuit like a rejected member of ABBA, or if I could memorize dialogue in a foreign language, but thought, hmm, who cares? No one outside of Germany will ever see this. Thanks to the internet, nothing ever goes away. Who knew? End quote. I, for one, am glad the internet exists so I can stumble upon gems like this. These spoofs and sketches serve as a reminder that there was a time when audiences had a more, I don't know, lighthearted approach to Star Wars. They weren't getting a new film every year or more Star Wars merchandise than they could handle. They were so desperate for anything Star Wars related that they couldn't be precious about their fandom. Of course, Star Wars was revered in the 70s and 80s, just like it is now, but you could poke fun of the franchise and make his characters do wacky things, and there weren't people shouting, Star Wars is dead and Disney ruins everything. Back then, it was a simpler time when it came to Star Wars. Not better, simpler. Now... I'm not saying there needs to be a sequel to that strange Star Wars disco ballet, but I am okay with Star Wars getting a little weird. Let's exploit the silliness of Therm scissor punch. Let's have Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian hang out with the Muppets. It may just be a space fantasy, but once the Disney streaming service launches, I kind of hope that we will be heading in that direction Star Wars was created for 12 year old kids, right? But just like Charles Lippincott did in 1977, why not try to reach different audiences? Give older fans a Star Wars series that's a little edgy and bold. Give younger fans a Star Wars animated series that mixes adventure with silly moments, just like Rebels or Forces of Destiny. Star Wars should evolve to include all different types of fans. I don't know about you, but for me, I think our fandom could use a little silly song and dance. And who knows, maybe one day we'll get a proper Star Wars musical with tap-dancing stormtroopers and a singing Jedi. If you speak German, what do you think of that Star Wars spoof? Am I missing something? (laughs) Please, let me know what you think. Or if you have a wacky Star Wars crossover that you unabashedly love, let me know on Twitter, at Jennifer Landa, or at Force Center Pod, hashtag Happy Beeps. You can also find me on my Facebook page and on Instagram as Jennifer Landa or my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash Jennifer Landa. If you want to rep Happy Beeps or Force Center, check out our awesome new merch at our Public shop. Uh, It's teepublic.com slash user slash ForCenter. If you get any sort of Happy Beeps merch, please share your pics with me. I would love to see them. I just got my Happy Beeps shirt today in the mail and I'm going to be wearing that tomorrow. Shout out to the great Tony Thaxton for composing the funky Happy Beeps theme song and the closing song you're about to hear. You can check out his work at patreon.com slash Tony Thaxton. He can compose a Star Wars song for you. Check it out. Thank you guys so much for listening and for all of your support. I really feel like we're taking Force Center to the next level. We are building this community and it feels, you know, it feels good makes me feel like I'm a dancing C-3PO. So until next time, beep bop boop.